everybody it's uh about 10 30 here in las vegas and we're gonna kick this podcast i got ray with me again she finished her midterms last week and uh she got a yeah. little free time to hang out and, and chat with us first question i got for you ray yeah is, and this is at the very top of my what are we going to talk about list how were those midterms one day you told me you crushed that shit but i didn't hear uh, about the other days I did. Um, I'm still waiting for results um, of how the midterms are, but I felt really good about both of them. Nice. So what's next? I mean, I know you got finals coming up at the end of the semester, but I got tons of like (laughs) papers to write and I hate writing so much. I see. I see. Well, we saw you at the range getting some uh, getting some fire forming done, getting some tripod uh, some tripod training in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was finally done with midterms, so I was like, okay, now shooting full force because <laughs> I've been you know putting that aside because I was focusing on you know. Books. We're definitely gonna jump in and talk about your six BR and uh, or six BRA, sorry, and you know kind of what's been happening with that. It's it's an interesting coincidence, I would say, but uh, that'll be you know a little bit a little bit further down the road here. Um, but a couple other things, you got your Caldwell target turners, and yes, I got two of them. I had not even seen these things before. I didn't even know they existed, and I am I'm ready to buy six or six or eight of them to just add that to our law enforcement and competition training courses. So I know you haven't got to use it yet. You, you, I tested it out at home. Um, so it takes eight, uh, AA batteries and you can change the speed from like one to like, I think six seconds. Um, okay. It, it goes really fast or it can go really slow. That's pretty cool. I've uh, and, evil uh, ideas in my mind of saying, <laughs> a one second turn speed and then placing it at a thousand yards with a two second time of flight. That would be an interesting shot. Yeah. And these things are nice because they're so portable and you can put them in like when you're doing your Leo uh, courses, you can put them in like cars, you can put them outside, you can put hostage and, you know, hostage taker, you know, it just depends which one it is. Um, and they have holes at the bottom so if it's windy you can stake them down to the ground nice i'm definitely looking forward to using them and they're not very expensive so i wasn't too concerned about buying them and then you know what if what if we accidentally get shot or or you know whatever like it's not so expensive that you'll be heartbroken if yeah goes down so and it, and it breaks down to kind of like um how you have those camp chairs yeah i really dig that i think myself included and everybody else is probably going to be interested in uh seeing how you use it and what your thoughts are and you know then i'll chime in later and probably back up what you say but uh i thought that was neat so 
Yeah, and it's also mostly for um, if you can't reach out to distance, it's another thing that you can challenge yourself with. Yeah, and I when when you first showed that to me, I was like, holy crap, this thing is legit. I like it, and you know, I'm sure as well as everybody else that's listening to this right now, we all probably search Amazon first, right? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, uh, when I bought it. It was uh, on sale on Amazon for like seventy something dollars. Yeah, it, yeah, from like a hundred, I think. And it comes with free one day shipping. I mean, you have to do that. <laughs> yes, I love the Amazon. <laughs> so with that being said, um, go to Amazon. Is there anything specific? I know, don't you have a, a little store or something on Amazon where people can purchase? From yeah, I do. I started it just because I get a lot of questions like, hey, where do you get this? Where do you get that? And I'm like, and then I would have to like tell them individual companies and like try to find their website. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it all on one spot on Amazon. Uh, well, if they have it on Amazon, I haven't made it public yet. I'll get on that though. I will. Okay. So people can go to Amazon, go to the Ray or nine dolls public. Amazon. Yeah. And then it, it's like, if you want to get, into like reloading like maybe i'll make groups you know so okay just buy this you know this is a basic basic and then if you want to like one step up something like that that what i use you know or what i like i like it so you and i just talked a little bit before the podcast and i got off the phone with uh, jason sanju from falcor defense and you know i don't know where the time went but we spent probably an hour and 30 minutes chatting on the phone. And, you know, Falcor is, is starting to, they make really accurate gas guns and they also have that 300 wind mag gas gun. Uh, but they started to dip their toe into bolt action chassis. And they're also coming out with their own action. And uh, I, I knew about the chassis because I have a sample of one here and I have been playing with it and seeing what I think and, and stuff like that. But what stuck out the most to me is getting this phone call today after, you know, a week or two of having this chassis in my hands and them wanting to spend that amount, that amount of time asking what I liked, what I didn't, what, you know, what are some changes that I'm, that I, I foresee should take place, uh, so the chassis hasn't been released to the public yet, but they're going through every little detail to try and make it right, you know, and okay. uh, I can admire that. So we talked about, you know, Remington 700 clone actions, not all being the same size. And, you know, how do you fix that problem with the chassis? Because you want your recoil lug to be contacting the front face of the recoil spot. And, uh, you know, so we talked about that, the grip angle, um, you know, a competitive shooter wanting to add weight to the, the chassis, the ARCA rail system. And I mean, we went from front to back talking details and, uh, I think it's going to be pretty awesome. So they're looking to release this chassis uh, full bore ready to purchase in your hands within a few days. 
uh, in April. So um, as with all things manufacturing, we'll see, you know, how it comes, but that's kind of their plan right now. So I thought that was, I thought that was awesome. You know, I like when companies, you know, reach out to shooters and uh, ask for their thoughts, their advice. And they're not just asking me, they're asking other people too. Yeah. Cause we're ultimately the end user. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's, it's, it's companies that take that feedback and, and make something with it is what keeps making all of these products so badass, you know, and yeah. uh, I, I thought it was cool. And then they're, they're coming out with their own Remington 700 clone, uh, but they've done some, some modifications, you know, um, I didn't get a whole lot of details with that. Uh, but I do know it's got a 60 degree bolt lift. So it's a three lug action. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just some of the features they're talking about having switch barrel capabilities. I, I mean, sounds like it's a pretty exciting time for, uh, you know, people wanting to look at chassis. So I would not discount this one. It does look, it looks cool. And it's got some decent features to it. And then the upgrades and, and the advice that they're taking, I think it's going to turn out to be uh, a big competitor. So I just want to throw awesome. it out there. You know, I, I admire companies that take the time to listen and make solid changes. So <laughs> outside of that, uh, a couple questions. You know, we try to answer the questions from people, however they reach out to us, it's, we need to have a filtering system, Ray, because I will get a question on my DM, on yeah. my personal page, and then I'll get a DM on the Max Ordnance page, and then I'll get an email, and then Facebook will start buzzing at me, and, you know, I need a way to rein in all of these questions, uh, but some of the questions that were tossed out is, I'll let you take the lead on this one. How did you and I meet? Oh, okay. How did Tyler and Ray meet? Okay, well, I was shooting up um, in California, and I just got into precision rifle, and I just got my uh, first custom rifle done, like my first custom bolt action. It was all fancy, and I loved it. Um, but I knew I needed some formal instruction like I couldn't wait, wait, wait you are not giving enough detail can you back up a second and talk about your Remington 700 that you purchased okay okay so we're... we are because All I, right. found, I found a special little something in the cabinet the other day that took me back a few years you might remember it has the word sniper on the side my scope <laughs> <laughs> okay okay let's just start about my background, all right? Um, I was never into guns or firearms. Um, I mean, I was always into them, but I was never around them. Uh, nobody in my family shot, none of my friends shot. Uh, so it was really hard for me to go shooting if I just wanted to go by myself, but I was really into it. So one day I went to the store and I bought, um, you know, a gun right off the shelf, right? And it was an AR-15 style. And then I bought, you know, a couple more pistols, like within a few months. Then I stopped uh, shooting uh, because I was just so busy with work and school. So that kind of went on the back burner for a couple years. And then um, for my birthday years later, I was like, I really want to get into precision rifle. 
So I walked into that same store that I used to buy all my uh, firearms from, and I said, I want a 338. I want to go long. I want to, you know, shoot a far target. And not knowing really anything about precision rifle or, you know, long range, the guy at the counter was like, uh, Ray, I don't know if you should go for that for your first one, just because it costs a lot of money to shoot, you know, because like the the ammo itself is, is expensive. So I wouldn't be able to have that much practice. And I took his advice and I ended up getting a 308 and I bought it right off the shelf too. <laughs> it was a Remington 700, uh, police, that police one. Yeah, the, uh, police model. Yeah. yeah, the police model. And they're like, hey, a precision rifle custom uh, guy just moved next door. Let me introduce you. So they brought me over and introduced me to uh, Spartan. And, you know, we started talking about, you know, precision rifles. And I got some work done on my Remington 700. And then I ended up purchasing one of their uh, rifles. So and this is how we started meeting. So I wanted to get formal instruction and my gunsmith knew of your company. Yeah, uh, Spartan, yeah. Used to, Spartan used to be the builder of uh, some of our loaner rifles for our earlier uh, precision rifle classes. Yeah, so I started following you on Instagram, which I just started my Instagram. Uh, and then I saw that you had a course during uh, Memorial Day, and I had nothing to do. Uh, all my friends didn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> so I was like, this is perfect. I can go down by myself and take this course. But at the same time, I was really nervous on going down there just because I was new to the game and you told me it, it was a cabin in the middle of nowhere with no Wi-Fi, no cell service. And I'm like, you know, some red flags like came up. I'm like, this is not a smart idea, right? Driving down by yourself in a I cabin full of dudes. I've definitely improved my description <laughs> of the property since then. I was imagining like a shack. I'm like, does it have running water? Is there like an outhouse? Like what's you know, going the, on? That is the crazy part right there. And, and, you know, back then I could understand because you know we've made a lot of progress from now to then but our website didn't have you know a yeah a facility tab but even yeah. to this day we get students that show up and you know they think that they'll be sleeping outside in the dirt or you know the cabin is a little you know shanty town of two by fours and plywood <laughs> Um, and nobody looks at the tab on the website, you know, it's like, well, it's kind of hidden anyway. I mean, no one's really going to look at that. Uh, well, anyways, I, before I went down, I was like, okay, let's do a meet and greet first. So I contacted somebody from your company and it was, it happened to be you. And I was like, Hey, I, I want to do a meet and greet before I head down there. And you happened to come up to my area, um, like a month before and we did a meet and greet and then we went to the range yeah and then, yeah. And then you were hooked on my 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 <laughs> charming attitude from well no i was like out. okay well this guy's not a creep so uh, okay i i'll go to this you know <laughs> training <laughs> and then he told me there was going to be a, a couple other girls there so i was like okay i'm more comfortable now too 
Yeah, yeah. And that's that's pretty much where it started right there. And then, you know, just our friendship and relationship built from there and, and yeah. We are. Coming back for these uh <laughs> precision rifle courses. Yeah, and you know, getting better at competitions and yeah, I mean it's just been a, a fun it's been a fun journey, you know, thus far. So, uh, but that's how, how it started and you kind of covered your background. Um, so we got that out of the way. Cause that was another question is, is somebody wanted to know what our backgrounds are. Um, you know, so if you guys haven't heard from previous podcast, uh, before Ray came and trained with me, you know, she was going to a range in, Northern California or, or somewhere up there. And, uh, you know, the max distance was like 200 yards or a hundred yards. hundred yards. Yeah. It was just practicing groups. And she didn't know, uh, she didn't know anything about fundamentals or, or proper body alignment or anything, but she would shoot a group and then try and figure out how to make it better. And, you know, when you meet a person like that, you instantly know that, uh, that there's something special, right? They're, they have this desire to, to do something and research and, and find ways. Uh, so that's, that's your background and kind of where you started at. Uh, mine is a little bit different, not, not much different, but a little bit. And, <laughs> a lot different. Um, you know, I was a Marine sniper and, you know, I, uh, during my career, right, I was in the service for 10 years. And during my career, I uh, had the opportunity to uh, try out for a sniper platoon. And, uh, you know, I've had other uh, parts of my career that were notable and not so notable, right? <laughs> uh, I'll say this, for some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about, but you're not a real Marine if you haven't been NJP'd. And I am a real Marine. So, uh, at, at one point in my career, I saw the, the advertisement to try out for the sniper platoon. And, uh, I took that very seriously. I very much wanted to be in that kind of unit. Uh, so I trained as best as I could, uh, not knowing what to expect. Um, and then I went and, and I did our screener. And I was interviewed at the end of it um, during the first day of the screener, like a total noob, I was climbing the rope on the O course, the obstacle course. And uh, once I touched the top, for whatever reason, I just let go and I came straight down, landed on my ankle. And for the rest of the screener, I had to hobble around with, uh, with a pretty severe sprained ankle. Um, you know, but it was my desire not to quit that just, I wanted, I wanted that. I wanted to be there. So, uh, past the screener, the platoon interviewed me. They liked my answers and they accepted me. Um, a few months later, you know, after being in the platoon and, and learning and being a pig and, uh, you know, well, tell everyone what a pig is. Okay. So, uh, in the Marines, as a sniper, you've got, uh, in the platoon, right? You've got hogs and pigs. Okay. A pig is a professionally instructed gunman. It is a Marine who is accepted into the sniper platoon, but has not been through a formal sniper school. Um, 
The hog is a hunter of gunmen. He has been formally trained as a sniper and has passed the, the you know, qualifying course. And life as a pig, okay, is kind of like a permanent hell week in the seals. Uh, everywhere you go, you run. If you make a bad wind call, you will push. If you are lazy or, you know, lackadaisical, you will run. Um, you know, there's a lot of running involved. So, and, uh, you know, you don't walk anywhere, right? From the moment you're at work to the moment work is over for the day, you run everywhere you go. Um, you know, you learn things, you're constantly being tested and evaluated to make sure that you are learning the skills you need to go to school and be successful. Um, so I spent my time as a pig. And then when I got my opportunity to go to school, I went through sniper school. Um, I was a really good marksman. Um, I got beat out by my buddy uh, for high shooter. And I ended up being the top stalker in our basic sniper class. Um, you know, chalk it up to either I really knew what I was doing or I was just too small to get caught one or the other. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I just performed really well while I was there. I, I you know, I was determined to uh, to do well. And I ended up walking away the, uh, the number one student in the class. Uh, so I was an honor graduate. And, you know, because of my performance there, I was being afforded other opportunities by my unit, by my platoon sergeant and platoon commander to go to more schools. So I got to go to urban sniper and then mountain sniper and then team leaders course and uh, advanced sniper. So I was uh, fortunate enough to able to attend every Marine Corps sniper school offered um, during my career. And, and, and don't they have a special name for that? You know, it's such a, they do have a special name, but I is guess that, is that secret? depending on who you ask, there might be a different standard. Uh, I've heard everything from a person who has completed all schools to a person who has uh, completed all schools and been to combat. Uh, I don't know if there is any real standard, but either way, uh, there are a few of us that, that have the name of Razorback, which uh, fulfills those those requirements, um, you know, of attending all the schools and, and going to combat. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty pretty proud of my my career, you know, and, and I definitely, you know, enjoyed it. So that's kind of my background. And then when I got out of the military in 2013, I started this company and uh, been plugging at it ever since to just keep getting better and keep learning like myself, keep learning. Um, you know, by no means did I get out of the Marines and just instantly be uh, an expert in all things. Um, I'm still not, I am still learning every single day. I, I learn new techniques and new things and you know, it's a constant process. I'm always a student first. Um, you know, so that's, that's where I started and he, this is where I'm at now. And, uh, you know, you have my guarantee that Max Ordnance will always be pushing the limits on uh, how to get better and improve the student experience and student learning. So, um, And it keeps changing because we have a lot of repeat students. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, wow, I thought I was not going to learn anything the next time I came back to, to take the same course. And I was like, it, 
there's it's different you know there's always new things being yeah. developed and you know we we try to give credit where credit's due like using the tripod as a rear support that was a marcus blanchard thing uh but it's genius and you yeah know, for sure you know first we got to understand it and then we've got to incorporate that into the training side um you know and now we compete regularly to ensure that our skills stay sharp and that we're constantly improving and learning ourselves so uh, that's our backgrounds and uh you know i hate talking about myself so i'm just gonna put <laughs> it right there so pretty much i'm the civilian side and you're the military side yes yes um <laughs> So outside of, uh, you know, our backgrounds and how we met and, you know, other things, I want to start getting to the main topic. And this kind of stems off of a couple people who reached out and commented or asked questions. Um, but it, the topic is rifle caliber gear selection for a new shooter and kind of how that ties into getting started in long range. And then the follow-on question is, when should a shooter venture into, you know, the little more exotic cartridges like 6XC? And, and you know, I know that I don't pronounce it very well. So for you out there, it's 6X-Ray Charlie, right? 6XC uh, or 6GT, right? That, that new round from uh, Gap, Ray? Yeah. And then your new cartridge, which you've just moved into, the 6BRA, the 6BR stands for bench rest, BRA is bench rest actually improved. So, you know, there's all these wildcat cartridges and they're becoming more and more popular. And one of the questions is, well, when should somebody move to one of these calibers? Um, so I want to lead with that question, Ray, if you're cool with that. Okay, yeah. My opinion is that if you're shooting 6.5, right, it's a, it's a nice caliber. Same with 6 Creedmoor. It's a, it's a good caliber. It's a good so you're saying 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah, 6.5 Creedmoor or okay. 6 Creedmoor, right? Um, I like both of them because they Actually, are constantly available. Yes. <laughs> you know, if, if I don't have time to reload, I will walk over to the store and pick some of that up and I'm good to go. So that's the major benefit of those. Um, now, dis distinguishing between 6.5 Creedmoor and 6 Creedmoor or some of these other six millimeter variants, um, you start to look at, well, 6.5 Creedmoor has slightly more recoil than a six millimeter Creedmoor. And then going from a six millimeter Creedmoor, which is probably pushing that projectile at 3,200 feet per second or close to it, whereas the 6.5 Creedmoor is probably only moving, I don't know, 27 to 2,800 feet per second. Now it's pushing a bigger bullet, but it's moving slower than that six millimeter. Um, now if you drop down to a smaller cartridge, like say what you're shooting, Ray, that 6BRA, um, I know that you didn't get a whole lot of testing in, you were more fire forming, but just looking at what other shooters are getting velocity-wise out of those six BRA, BRA cartridges, they're only in the mid-2,900 feet per second range. Yeah. So they're shooting a 
lighter bullet, 105 grain, 110, maybe 115 grain bullet, uh, but it's not going as fast as a six Creedmoor, you know, it's a 200, 250 feet per second slower. So right off the bat, lower muzzle velocity with lighter bullets is going to equal less recoil. I mean, that's, would you call that physics, Ray? Make sure I'm yeah. saying it correctly. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so lighter bullet, less muzzle velocity equals less recoil. And that is a huge factor in uh, competitive shooting and being able to, you know, maybe get away with some certain things or, or, you know, whatever, but less recoil means stay on target, watch impact, make correction and move on. Um, you go to six XC. It's similar to the six Creedmoor, same velocity area, right? High velocity. Um, shooting same size bullet. It's just a different case profile and, uh, you know, a little bit more recoil with that round. That's the round you and I have been shooting this whole year, Ray. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah. I mean, it shoots well. So the, the benefits between those two are, um, less recoil than a six, five Creedmoor or a 308, definitely more or less than a 308, but you have more speed, which means flatter trajectory which also means less time for the wind to influence the projectile in flight so i guess what i'm getting at here you know all these little details that i'm talking about this is a rabbit hole and we could get lost down there but i don't think that there is a set point in time where a shooter is going to say i think i've shot long enough that i can transition to this other caliber I think that 6.5 Creedmoor and 308 are good training rounds. Um, 6.5 Creedmoor is definitely capable of winning matches, right? Um, then you've got that decision-making and that decision-making process, I, I feel, and you can correct me if, you, if you've got a different opinion, Ray, but when you understand what you are trying to achieve with that cartridge, then it helps you make a better decision. If you want a flatter trajectory and less time for wind to affect your bullet, then maybe that six Creedmoor or six XC is the way to go. But if you want less recoil, but still a flat trajectory with a decent ballistic coefficient projectile, then that six BR, that six BRA, those are good areas. Uh, six five Creedmoor, Heavier bullet, it performs much better at extended distances, right? But it's got a, um, it doesn't have as flat of a trajectory as those six millimeter laser beam rifles, right? Yeah. So I think that's the decision making part right there is what are you looking for out of your cartridge selection? Do you have the ability to reload this ammo? Uh, what? you know, how valuable is your time? Everybody thinks that reloading is going to save you a ton of money. No. <laughs> if you value your time, it doesn't save you any money. So, you know, what is your time worth to you? That's really what it comes down to on the reloading side. But that's but the reloading side is a whole new rabbit hole. Like oh, yeah. for precision, you think you're going to save money? Ha, think again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
I love it. I mean, I like to try new recipes and stuff like that. But well, I would say once you <laughs> once you've loaded enough ammo for the possible money savings to start showing a positive, you know, because you got to buy all this equipment too, right? Yeah. When you make enough ammo to actually have saved money reloading, they're going to come out with something new, some new piece of reloading gear, something shiny. (laughs) And then you're right back into the red. I mean, so, but this is not a reloading conversation. So that's my spiel on that part, Ray, is I don't know if there's a specific point in time when a shooter should transition. I think if they understand what why they are yeah what they're getting out of that cartridge and you know what what are the positives and what are the negatives of going with that specific cartridge and caliber then they have a much better understanding and there is no set time limit you know there is no so yeah like why i changed to bra uh, was the lower recoil because i am making my rifle lighter and for the reason of I can just move positions faster, yeah. like, you know, manipulate my gun. And so since I go lighter, I want a lighter recoil. And so it kind of averages out. So that's why I went 6BRA. And I think that's a great choice. Um, I got my competition rifle that's on the heavier side. Right now I've got every weight kit attached to it from XLR. I'm trying to play that game again to see if I can, you know, it. Um, but I'm shooting six at six XC and I got a little more recoil than you have, but I feel like that's where I want to be. I, I like having my velocity in the mid 3100s and I feel like I can control that rifle, get used to the weight and it's not going to be a burden. But if I had that ultralight rifle from DCC arms, and that magnesium chassis, I would want that thing to be like a 22 BR, <laughs> you know, because it's it's an eight pound rifle, and I would want as little recoil energy as possible. Yeah, uh, but like you said, you know, it's it's understanding why you're switching, and what you're getting from it, and what you're losing. And if you can understand those, I don't think there's a timeline on uh, on on when to switch. And, and there's a common misconception, and this is a whole. This is probably a whole another podcast talking about ballistic coefficients, Ray. But, yeah, let's save that for another time. Yeah, but uh, one thing I did want to push out there is you're not switching to a six millimeter rifle or cartridge because it's better in the wind. All right, by looking at just ballistic coefficients of a 6.5 Creedmoor 140 grain bullet and a 6 millimeter 105 grain bullet, the 140 trumps it big time. But where that 6 millimeter is lacking in ballistic coefficient, it's making up for in speed. And you got that flat trajectory. So again, getting from point A to point B much faster the wind has less time to act on that projectile in flight but there is a limitation once you get to a certain distance that that 6.5 creedmoor that heavier bullet is going to outperform that lighter six millimeter bullet so again understand your cartridge and why you are making the change 
and uh, you'll be successful no matter what you go with. Um, you got anything else for that one? Okay, so can I summarize for people who haven't, or my opinion for people who really don't know all these calibers? <laughs> so. Would love, would love to hear you. Hit it. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I'm just coming from the side where like I knew nothing, and I'm like, okay, you're talking over my head now. You know, like so basically. My suggestion, my personal suggestion is when you first start shooting, get something that is, you can get easily, like good ammo easily, which is like the match ammo, because there's going to be, when you go to the store, you're looking for a 6.5 Creedmoor, right? But then there's like 20 different kinds, you know, like which one are you going to use? So for precision rifle, look for the box that says match on it. Um, and that's the ammo that you should buy. And personally, I would suggest getting um, a 6.5 Creedmoor or um, maybe a 6 Creedmoor. But what you want is to find ammo easily. That means you get to shoot more. So 6.5 Creedmoor is widely available now. I mean, it's really easy to get match ammo for the 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, 6 Creedmoor is out there too, but I I ran into problems trying to find the match ammo that I want. Yeah. So I was going to throw in on, on what you're saying there. If you are getting into competing or just long range shooting in general, like 6.5 Creedmoor is a great cartridge like Ray is talking about. Um, there was one thing, Ray, there's you see a lot of people out there like this is my this is my trainer gun and most of them i don't know if i've if i've uh seen anything else but most of them are 223 would you agree yeah so they build an identical rifle or they'll just run a switch barrel system and change the bolt out um but they they train with 223 i think that's a great idea right the 223 is not going to perform very well in the wind so you will have to make good wind calls you will have to read the wind you will get better at reading the wind um and the ammo's cheaper right oh yeah you can shoot all the time you get super good ammo quality factory 223 with a heavy projectile 75 77 grain bullets that'll reach a thousand yards and it's cheap right where i think that 223 fails on the trainer gun side is the recoil. lack of recoil yes and i was i was thinking about this like have you heard the saying ray where the bullet doesn't lie correct well when you're using a trainer gun right i suggest sometimes you go with a 308 right because yeah the rifle and that recoil isn't going to lie if you have a bad position, if you have bad shoulder to butt stock contact, there is no free recoil with the 308. Let me throw that out there. No, there is not. If you, if you do any of your fundamentals when it comes to positioning incorrectly with a 308, it is going to let you know. Um, you know, so there is that benefit on that side of the house where the the, the heavier caliber 300 uh, 308 Winchester will keep you honest when it comes to, uh, you know, training for supportive positions or even prone. So 
Uh, I think both of those calibers have their place in the trainer side, uh, but don't discount 308 because it will definitely improve you. It'll keep you honest. So, oh yeah, that's why I got my new uh, stock uh, with the mini chassis so I can like switch from my TG3 to my 308 and that's my training yeah. rifle yep. because I don't want to burn out my six mil barrels. Exactly. And you shoot that little 223, it, that thing is so fun. It's yeah. like shooting a gas gun. Before you know it, you're down 300 rounds. You're like, what in the hell happened? I've been here for 30 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, 308, 223, great trainer rifles, uh, but they both offer something unique for that training experience. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, so that's kind of the caliber portion, Ray. And I hope I didn't cut you off. You got anything saved for that topic? I know you covered it pretty well. No, we, we did. It was pretty good. Um, but also, I think we should, I, some of our listeners, don't, like when you're talking about 6.5, well, you got to say, what kind, what kind of 6.5? Because um, for people who don't know, there is a lot of 6.5s. There could be 6.5 by 47. There could be 6.5 Creedmore. There could be, you know, like a lot. <laughs> Great point. I appreciate you correcting me in front of all these people. Uh, so you bring up a valid point i'm definitely referencing 6.5 creed more because of its uh, availability and popularity yeah uh, commonality now so from what you were talking about ray that kind of moves into that next question of rifle caliber and gear selection for a new shooter and um you know we've talked about caliber we talked about rifle a little bit. Um, you know, I get asked this question a little bit more often, and I sometimes I just don't know what to say because there's a lot of really good actions out there. You know, yeah. I own a Surgeon. You own a Defiance. I have Curtis Custom. You have Impact. Uh, we both own mousing field. Now that one's a little bit different because it's got the control feed on the bolt face. Um, you know, it's got the mechanical ejection. But for the most part, every action that you and I have had and ones that we don't have, there's what what Longhorn, um, uh, what's the new one from? Ultimatum. Uh, ultimatum, Precision, and then there, there's Terminus actions. Um, I mean, we could go on for days naming action manufacturers, and a lot of them are really good. They're all good, right? There's, there'll be small little features here or there, like is your Picatinny rail on the top of your action, is it built into the receiver, or is it bolted on? And why does that matter to you? Um, is your recoil lug a separate piece, or is it built into the action? So if you were to take my Curtis and my surgeon and hold them next to each other, the surgeon is one complete piece. Same with your impact, right, Ray? Yes, and I care about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what it, what it does is, is it's two less parts that can come loose or, you know, have an effect on your accuracy. So if you look at any of my Curtis actions, I love them. I don't have any issues with them whatsoever. They're Curtis axioms and they uh, top rail bolts on 
and the recoil lug is a, is a separate piece, but it's got pins, so it's always going to go into the same spot, which is a nice feature. Uh, but the top rail, I will red Loctite and super glue and everything you can think of to ensure that that top rail never comes loose unless I want it to. Well, it came loose that one time at that match. That, was it the rail or the rings? The rail. I think it was the rings. If we're if we're talking about the Desert Sportsman Monthly match, it was the no, ring. No, I'm, I'm talking about the CD match. That's true. Yes, Last that was before I went with the uh, the policy of red Loctite. <laughs> that I think that policy came from that experience. Yes, it did. Right? So it's little things like that that will uh, you know every once in a while things like that rear its head and you get caught with uh, a loose top rail or, or something like that so um you know it's different features but they all work fairly well um you know but there's resources out there you can go to sniper side and look at what some of the forums are saying about performance of actions what materials are they using for ejectors and extractors and have there been any major problems um you know so there's resources out there so i I think you and I have our favorites, you know, what we like. Yeah. But I don't uh, know if we can necessarily point to somebody and say, well, these guys are better than everybody else because I said so, right? Well, I mean, it also depends on what type of shooting you do, too. Very true. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I know for a long time, but you are also the type of person who can't let go of anything. So, <laughs> I'm a collector. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, they're my babies. I can't give them away. Like, I love all my children. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, you love your defiance and it has worked for you and you're used to it. Right. And now you have an impact and you love that thing. You like the way it feels, the way it cycles, you know, you enjoy these actions. I will have to give a and con about like my actions soon and I shot my impact for the first time uh, yesterday and there's a couple features I'll, I didn't even know about and I really I'm really excited about it um, but I want a little more time on my rifle before I talk about it I'm gonna write that down so we remember to talk about it for the next episode okay um, but I agree with you you learn little things here and there about your actions and what they like, what they don't like. Uh, I could tell you that uh, it doesn't matter. I have two Curtis actions, and both of them, all right, are a little finicky when it comes to breech loading, like single loading. You yes. in the breech, and they have a tendency to take a nosedive. So if I'm using a Curtis, I will take the extra second to put that cartridge in the chamber, or at least get it started in the chamber. Yeah. Whereas if you got my Remington or you got my surgeon, I mean, you could throw the cartridge in backwards and somehow it finds its way into the chamber. I mean, I don't know how it works, but, um, you know, it's just, it's little nuances and it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like meeting a, a, a woman and going out on a few dates for the first time. You learn things and you determine, can I live with this or is this bother me too much? I have to, I have to break away from you. Right. So yeah. uh, owning action is kind of like having a significant other. And uh, 
Well, and I think my opinion is, or my saying I always say is, actions are forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very true because when you own a rifle, that action is going to stay the same. That barrel is going to change. You might change your stock, your chassis, or you change your trigger out. But that action will be with you forever. Yeah. So if you want to splurge on something, splurge on an action. Well, that's what I was going to kind of move this conversation into is, you know, aside from us not really being able to point fingers and say, these people are by far the best. Um, when it comes to purchasing your first rifle, maybe for competition or whatever, uh, anybody that asked me this question, well, what, what rifle should I build, Tyler? Well, what are you using it for? And it's the same thing with buying an optic. Like, what are you doing with this system? So if it's competition related, right, and you're just getting into the long range, here's the thing. You, you know very little, right? You, you, all you've done is stuck your – you haven't even stuck your foot into the pond yet. You've just looked at it from a distance, so there's so many things that you don't know. And every competition you go to, I guarantee you have an opportunity to see tons of rifles, talk to the people who own them. Hey, can I pick this up? Can I feel this? Can I check out this? I and, do that all the time. You know? I, I, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's new. Um, can I touch it? Can I play with it? <laughs> so, you know, I have nothing against Ruger, right? I think that their RPR platform is pretty ingenious. The price point that it comes in at, awesome. You know, the it's got some accessory upgrades that you can do, but it, it has a ceiling, you know? And that's kind of my suggestion for if you are getting into this and you want to continually get better or improve your gear, whether it's saving money or finding out what you like and then upgrading, whatever the reason is for, you know, continually increasing the, the quality of your gear, buy something that can be upgraded, that, that doesn't have a ceiling, you know, um, Masterpiece Arms, they make a uh, uh, production rifle that comes in at two thousand dollars it's got a cool chassis it's got a nice action but it can be upgraded you can upgrade the trigger later you can upgrade the barrel later you can do all of these upgrades as you progress and learn what you like and what you don't like um, dcc arms same thing they have a stainless steel action um, they're using a mcmillan stock and their price point comes in just over the two thousand dollar price range but it's upgradable as you learn what you want. You can build on it, right? The, these rifles don't really have ceilings. And, and the, yeah. that's kind of where I, I feel like newer shooters can sometimes go wrong because they'll see some of these rifles that, you know, oh, look, this, this RPR is only $1,300. And it's but a, at it's the same time, rifle. yeah, but they, what if they don't know if they would like it? You know, and they're kind of just testing it out. Like how I bought my Remington 700. Okay, so. You know, but at the same time, 
I shot it and I freaking love it. And like not even three months later, I upgraded like to the max. And yeah, I, I kind of just wasted that money with that Remington 700. So if you know you're really going to like it, just buy good action from the get-go. Yeah. I, and I've, been, I've been very happy with my action. There's a little know? bit of risk involved with getting into this, and you might not know if you want to stay in it. I, there is a risk associated with pretty much every hobby that you're going to get into. Uh, buying shit and then maybe not enjoying it like you thought. There's always that risk. But like I said, the, the RPR, it's a good rifle. It's a good entry-level rifle. It's a good rifle for somebody who wants to go out and bang steel on the weekend, jump in a competition a couple times a year. And, you know, that's the extent of how high they want to go. But it has a ceiling. And, uh, you know, let's say, let's take your example, right? Yeah, you, you buy some stuff, you get into it, and then you, you realize, you know, this is just, it's not for me. I'm not into it. I don't have that passion. And well, now what are you going to do? Are you going to sell your stuff? How, how easy is it going to be to sell, you know, crappy shit versus selling things that you had intentions with that didn't work out and, and it's a desirable action or barrel or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, starting off cheap in the beginning is not always the best answer. And, uh, you know, you need to take a look at, where the upgrades can be made and what's the best you can ever get with this platform. Um, so that's where I would go with the rifle. And uh, again, I got no problems with, with any of these companies. I think they're all great. And it's just, it's an understanding that uh, new shooters don't quite have. So, and nowadays uh, for these custom uh, actions before it, it took a long time to order it and then to get it. But mm. now they're ramping up production. Like for instance, impact precision, right? You can yeah. order one and it'll be ready. Like it's, you can get it within the month, you know, like that's amazing. Nope. I thought, you know, unless you want to do something special like me, cause I got my uh, impact cut for AW magazine. So that just took a couple more weeks. But other than that, you know, you can go right now, order it on, you know, your computer, order a barrel with it and have it at your house. Well, I mean, go through FFL, of course, but it's, it's amazing. Most definitely. And, uh, so that's the rifle side. I'm not going to jump down the optic side. Um, the one piece of information I would say for new shooter looking at a rifle scope is whatever optic that you're going to go with and, and Ray, put this down on the list. This is another episode that we will discuss. But if you're going to go buy an optic, make sure that the turret adjustments match the reticle subtensions. So if okay. It, so what he's saying is the, <laughs> <laughs> the crosshairs inside, uh, when you look through the scope, the crosshairs, they have a specific measurement. And it could be like MOA which is like, you know, inches. Minutes or, of angle. Yeah, or mils, which is metric-based. And then he's talking about the turrets is the dials on top, the, the knob that you turn. And you want those knobs 
to be in the same <laughs> um, measurement as the crosshairs. So you're so, gonna you're gonna make me jump into this because, <laughs> uh, uh, again, trying to keep it simple right now. Don't get scared by inches or metric system. That stuff, it, it doesn't. It, it's not. Let's call it apples and oranges, right? Yeah. And you want okay. the apples on your turrets to be the same apples in your reticle. So yes. if you're going to dial in minutes, then you want your reticle to be minutes of angle. And if you're going to dial in mils, then you want your reticle to be mils. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be frustrated and spending a little bit more time doing conversions in your head. And it's, yeah, it, it's not a fun time. So... Uh, we're going to leave it at that. I mean, scopes is a whole nother episode by far, uh, but let's talk gear, Ray. Um, okay. Let's start with what the hell we carry in our, carry all of our gear in. We both use the same brand, uh, but we went different directions with the, uh, with the pack style. Yeah. Which is funny because you have the pack I originally wanted. Quiet. Don't tell. <laughs> so I I run um, the Mystery Ranch three day uh, assault pack, yeah, and um, and I have mine a little modified. I did put padding on the hip straps, and it's also got an adjustable yoke, so you can change yes. your shoulder strap height to actually fit your body if you're tall, short, you know, all of those. Yes. They, they have different yokes, too. They have a small, medium, and large. I have, I switched mine out to a small, and then it has Velcro, so you can do, like, minor adjustments with that, too. Yeah, and it uses a, a tri-zip um, closing system. So there's one zipper that goes from bottom, middle, straight up to about three-quarters of the way, and then there's a zipper on the top left and right that zip down towards the middle to give you that tri-zip feature. It's a good bag. We both used to run it. And uh, I honestly don't remember if it was your idea or my idea, but I know that I did it first, which was I transitioned from Mystery Ranch 3-Day to Mystery Ranch Rats Pack. And um, it's originally designed as a med kit or even an EOD breacher kit, and it uses a dual zip system. So the zippers are on the, the, you know, from the outside of the pack, they're on the left and right side. So I can grab the handle, pull it open, and the entire flap opens. It's all Velcro pouches on inside that keep your stuff organized. Um, but I just like the layout of that pack a little bit better um, for, for carrying our gear but it is limited on space compared to your three day. Um, so that's kind of the downside of it. Uh, we lost yeah. a little bit of space, but you gained a little bit of organization. Yeah. So, I mean. The pros and cons, man, pros yeah, and cons. Yeah, gotta take it as is. So that's our pack setup. Um, we both use Air Armor Tech uh, rifle cases to uh, you know transport our rifles if we're not Hopefully. flying anywhere. Yeah. Um, it's an inflatable rifle case. And I know you're thinking like, well, that shit will pop. It'll bust. Okay. There's a YouTube video of a <laughs> crocodile biting this shit and it didn't pop. 
all right it's some heavy duty thing inside and you can open or release the pressure you can fill it up just by blowing in it and it keeps your stuff safe i've also thrown my rifle in this case off of our caboose we have a train at our facility and the train sits on the edge of a hill so i got top of the train and chucked it down right you should repost that video again I think I will. How far do you think that drop was? 50 feet? I don't remember. So You threw that thing, though. I did. All right. And it went tumbling down the hill. I come down from the caboose, go down, grab my rifle, run up to the firing line, pull rifle out, aim in at a uh, two MOA target at 200 yards, and no zero shift. Impact, baby. So it's a good case, and it works out well for what we do right protect well, yeah i i care about it because it's light and i can you know handle it by myself because i used to ha I have the pelicans and they're so cumbersome you know they're heavy and i only use them for flying um i also like the air armor because it has the backpack straps yep and you can deflate it roll it up and throw it in your pack and it's okay. over so um other gear right you and i we typically share a big bag and it's probably more laziness because I don't want to carry one if you're carrying one but it's a fairly decent sized pump pillow um Coltac makes them uh Troust makes a, a a good one Armageddon gear has an XL size so there's all kinds of, of big bags out there and you, you don't need it very often but when you do, it's a nice to have because it fills some decent spaces, you know. And also you can stand on it. And you can stand on it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we typically carry one of those bags between us if we're, if we're in the same squad or we're partnered up. Um, so we have that capability. And then uh, that's where things kind of go different for Ray and I because I'm pretty set in my ways. Not that I haven't tried other gear. I just... I'm a simple guy, so I use a game changer uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, game changer is made by Armageddon and uh, Reezer Precision. It's a great rear bag, but then if you're going to be shooting off of some type of support object or anything, and you're going to rest your rifle on that support, it now doubles as a as a barricade bag where your rifle will rest on it. It's got some weight to it, so it provides a steady platform for your rifle to kind of settle into and not flop around and uh you know it's a very versatile bag but it does have limitations so i carry that and i also have a utter bag from bison tactical it's a uh, similar to a game changer but it's got four little legs on it hence the utter right and it just it grabs onto different barricades differently all right so it's having a little bit more uh I, i'd say access to something that we would need that for right uh, tank trap is a good one uh, it works really well on a tank trap because I, my favorite is for rocks for which, which one rocks oh yeah right so it's got its place for sure so those are the three bags that i i keep with me and Ray, you have done Blam Enterprises, right? Attaching to the pick rail. You use Coltac, <laughs> Game Changer. I mean, 
I have used everything under the sun. Everyone calls me the bag lady. <laughs> I wonder where you find the space in your pack to put all of these bags. Actually, I I cut down and I oh. I only use my wee bag pop pillow, the one we that we share, and I use my game changer. I've been using that game same game changer for like years um, but I changed the fill to get light fill and yeah. I use my third bag is the tricorn bag which attaches to the front of my rifle okay. and that's it that's all the bags I use now so you know we've, we've got a similar gear we've got a similar gear layout you know different models different brands but they kind of serve the same purposes um, but we're you know we're always looking for new bags, new cool things that will uh, help with stability or performance, you know, um, anything to, you know, keep us even or above the competition. I mean, it is a competition. So, you know, uh, looking for any advantage that you can. If you're a new shooter, you can grab a couple of these bags, you know, you can get a, a large pump pillow, you can get a game changer. I would say those would be like your two starters if you were going to spend the money. But at the same time, I mean, go to a match. I have yet to run into anybody that is uh, too prideful or a dick that won't let you use something from their kit. Uh, if you see Ray, I mean, she'll probably offer it to you before you even ask, right? Um, if I'm not in my zone or if I'm having a good shooting day and I'm not crabby, I'll offer stuff, to you, right? <laughs> but you can go out to a match and take nothing with you, but a rifle and some ammo and a bipod and, uh, borrow gear through the entire thing to see what you like. And I would say that's a great way of kind of seeing what's I good. would suggest bring a rear bag at least well, your yeah, own rear yeah, bag not the rear bag part uh you know but I'm talking about that specialized gear you know? oh yeah um, try before you buy um but at the same time like if you're going right before them and just have common sense I think yeah yeah for sure um there's just there's so much good gear out there you know there's diehard uh, wee bad fortune cookie lovers, and then there's diehard die uh, Armageddon gear game changer lovers. So, which one do you like? Yeah. Um, I haven't used the fortune cookie, but they're, they're the same. So my suggestion, if you were to get one bag, I always say get the game changer because you can use it for everything. Like you can use it as a barricade bag and you can use it you know, as a rear bag. Um, and then you don't need a pump pillow yet because what do you have on you? You have your pack. You can use your pack to fill in those gaps, you know? So I think the number one bag that you should have is a bag similar to like a game changer. Man, I taught you well. That's, <laughs> that's something I would say right there. So, uh, yeah, that kind of covers bags, um, bipods. You don't need to go crazy with bipods right off the bat. Uh, you do want something that's stable. Um, Harris works just fine. 
Atlas are good. It's got a little bit different feel to it. You know, there's some wiggle built into it. Uh, You and I both running the um, MDT, what are they? The Skypods. Skypods. um, But they're being sold by MDT now, right? Yes. um, MDT acquired them, but you can also get them on 406 Bullets too. Okay. So, um, the price, the price differences, Harris, you spend, uh, you know, 150 bucks, maybe. Uh, Not Atlas, even. Yeah. Atlas, you'll spend uh, 250 and uh, Skypods, you know, the MDT bipods, you will spend uh, ballpark 500. Yeah. But each one has more and more and more features built into it. So, um, you know, there's benefits there, but again, yeah. What do you like? What have you tried? You know, if it's your first match, you just, you need to jump in to the pool and get wet and and then see what kind of swimming suit you need. But at the same time, like if you're, let's not talk about matches all the time, you know, like if you're just a long range shooter and you're just going to be shooting on a bench, all you pretty much need is a Harris bipod. That's true. You know, you don't need all the other features that like the Atlas or the Skypod or the Modular Evolution will give you with like the 45 can that, you know, that's more for competition or like hunting. Well, I was just going to bring up, like if you're a, if you're a hunting person, then the Modular Evolution or the MDT bipods, right? They have the alternate versions that have the longer legs yeah if you're in a field and there's tall grass or there's a lot of sagebrush and you've got to take a shot that's higher up off the ground than a prone position and you didn't bring a, a, a tripod those bipods are fantastic so to each his own right um how about slings ray um well i use a discontinued sling so let's just not talk about me well i mean it's we still sell that version. It's just not the exact version, right? We don't use the same buckle anymore, but it's the same concept. Uh, it was built for tripod shooting and getting stable from a tripod. Uh, but regardless, I think that the point here is that you should have a sling. And uh, hopefully it does more than just carry your rifle across your back. Um, but having a sling could have many benefits offhand shooting, right? Unsupported, standing, kneeling, seated. So uh, a sling is something, if it's not attached to your rifle, it should at least be in your bag. So if the need comes, you have it. Yes. So <laughs> outside of that, I mean, that's that's a lot of gear that we've discussed right there. And, you know, we're closing in on that one hour mark. So we don't want to bore everybody. And we've got other episodes to think about now and and good topics to continue us forward. On our social media page, we uh, recently posted a video kind of demonstrating using a tripod as a rear support and some of the factors to consider, like how your legs will collapse if you move one direction, how you should lift the tripod, how you should aim at the target before you introduce the tripod as a rear support. Um, and we'll do, you know, a better video later, but I thought it was appropriate considering some of the questions that we had gotten asked 
And uh, one other thing I want to throw out there is Trigger Tech. You know, Ray and I are huge fans of Trigger Tech, and uh, this this is from years ago. Uh, when did we first build that relationship, Ray? 2016? Mm, yeah. I mean, it was early, in their infancy days, I believe. Um, they're not a, a new company, right? But their triggers for rifles and in ARs is a little bit on the newer side. But they are in the prototype phases right now. If you go to DMR LLC um, Instagram page, they are testing a two-stage version of the bolt-action trigger, and I think it's pretty unique. I've not—I've never been a two-stage trigger lover, but it's a cool option. And I'm interested to see uh, the feedback from uh, Joe, who's testing it out of DMR. And uh, look for that to be released pretty soon, I believe, by SHOT Show. They'll probably have them out. Uh, but pretty cool. If you're a two-stage guy, all right, and you not try to trigger tech, it is fabulous. All right. Ray, you got anything left for the fine people who like to listen to you talk? No. <laughs> it's 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 long enough they need to go to work now <laughs> gotta go get busy finish with all your stuff too so we're gonna get out of here we appreciate again everybody listening to our podcast we appreciate the support if you've got questions uh, you know dms emails tyler at maxordinate.com uh, go to our facebook page you know, all of these different avenues to reach out to us and submit your question and we will promise to try and get it out and uh you know do our best to uh throw some info at you so until next time we wish you guys a good weekend hope you're out there shooting practicing training and we'll catch you at the range bye